This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And uh, yeah, this is a unique episode because of... Uh, I. It's a unique episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this week we are reviewing The Discovery, which is on Netflix right now. And then in lieu of a po- regular potpourri section like we normally do, we have a whole extended potpourri that I'm just going to put together. And this is going to be kind of a mega big episode thing because it's been a little while since we've had an episode and I feel bad for uh, the infrequency of the podcast because, I mean, you know. We've been busy. Tiny got a house. I, you know, uh, I've been doing stuff too, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, I did, I did get a PS4. So if you, you know, search for me on PS4, either as Matt Hurt or my user ID, which makes me sound like a 14 uh, year old kid, but top banana 0769. <laughs> it's not sexual, I promise. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, this week on the podcast, we're talking about the discovery. And uh, we're kind of just going to kind of ease into it. First, I have a couple things, a couple housekeeping things and feedback to, to go over and everything. Uh, this episode's sponsor is Horror Movie Yearbook from Midwest uh, Podcast Network. Uh, they're a great horror movie podcast that discusses uh, horror movies based on the year that they were released and also kind of just contextualizing the reviews into that uh into into pop culture of the time of its release. They recently did... Um, uh, the class of 1990, which in which they discussed Nightbreed, uh, the uh, and uh, and Misery and Tremors. God, Misery is so good. Tremors, such a fun movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So check that out over at uh, horrormovieyearbook.com and on uh, Twitter at HM Yearbook. Okay, and then also Tiny, we did something. With with Chad, we did, yeah, and, and Amanda over at the Secular Perspective. Do you want to bring that up? We sure did. Uh, okay. We had our hundredth episode on mm-hmm. that podcast. Um, Congratulations! Thank you, thank mm-hmm. you, uh, thank you, Chad, mm-hmm. for running it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, so for the hundredth episode, Chad wanted to do something different and uh, celebrate in a way. So we were both on there, and we talked about what music we would want played at our funeral. Yes. Which is a really interesting topic, I think. Oh, absolutely. And it was such it was such a blast. It was mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah. So go check that out. Yeah, check that out at thesecularperspective.com and I'll put links to the show notes and everything. Um yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh yeah, so do you want to just dive into the review or is there anything we need to discuss at the top, the it trailer? Oh yeah, the it trailer. Yeah, the it trailer, tiny. Pretty scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not only that, but like it's great that. <laughs> um, okay, so so the it trailer came out. Um, it looks amazing. Go check it out. Um, I'm really excited for it. Movie comes out in September, so that's really cool. Um, then Spike 
uh, Spike TV has a, a new a TV series based on The Mist coming out in right. June. Did you right. see the trailer for that? I haven't watched it yet, no. Okay. You know, it's really interesting because The Mist, I haven't read the novella, but I adore the Frank Darabont movie. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they're they're making it, making it into a TV series. And it's it's interesting because it looks like it maybe took is taking some liberties or some some license with with what is actually in the mist or what what the mist possesses and and what ha- the effect that the mist has on people it uh it looks like it's going to be very unique um okay. and I, i'm pretty i'm pretty curious about it um having said all of that tiny that is a stephen king property that's coming out in june it is a Stephen King property coming out in September. We still don't have a goddamn Dark Tower trailer. Still not. Still not. As of this recording, it's April twelfth, and uh, and yeah. There's a te- there's even a teaser for Castle Rock. Yeah, that's true. Which yeah. is like, are they even filming? They uh, haven't even announced like when it would come out. Yeah, but yeah. Meanwhile, they're done yep. shooting for. Oh boy. Yep, yep. It's funny because I I bought a. Uh, oh, I didn't. Even, did you Did you see my snap? Have you checked Snapchat? I don't. I know. I don't check. I deleted my Snapchat. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh gotcha. Okay, I'll yeah. stop bugging you with it then, Tiny. <laughs> but uh, I did buy a new shirt. Okay. Okay, I bought this shirt. Nice. Right. I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a Dark Tower shirt that says the Cotet of nineteen, and then it says serving the beam since 1999. Uh, so I sent that out on Snapchat, and I, I Fekus was one of the people I sent it to, and he he responded with, uh, oh, how did he phrase it? He said something like, "Oh, cool. How about that trailer? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh my god, what? A <laughs> yeah. Day. Oh yeah. So that that hurt. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. So that's kind of all the news and feedback and everything that we've got today. And I know I'll probably cut what was in the extended potpourri here. So this is all meaningless and stupid and, and this is going to be awkward to cut anyway. So yeah. So today on the podcast, we are discussing the discovery, which is on Netflix as of right now. It's uh, I don't know how it worked out, but it's like a Netflix original movie. So I don't know if they just bought distribution or paid, paid distribution for it or if it was like funded entirely or, or what have you. I don't know what the deal is there, but uh, directed by Charlie McDowell, um, who did the one I love, which I thought was a, a really cool cerebral science fiction movie. Um, and he, you know, he hasn't really done much else. Uh, yeah, like he's directed a little bit of a Silicon Valley. He is the son of, uh, um, Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. Um, who makes an appearance Mary Steenburgen does in the opening scene of this movie. Uh, so anyway, the movie, uh, according to IMDb, the plot summary is a love story set one year after the existence of the afterlife is scientifically verified. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it stars Robert Redford, uh, Jason Siegel, Rooney Mara, Jesse Plemons, uh, Ron Canada and, and some other people there. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Tiny, what was, what were your kind of expectations going into the, to the discovery? Cause I kind of just, like, I remembered seeing a trailer for it and I, I saw that it popped up on, um, on Netflix and was like, Hey, Tiny, let's, uh, let's check this out. Cause it seems like it's right up both of our alleys. Uh-huh. Uh, so what were your expectations going, going into it? Um, 
I wasn't 100% sure what to expect because I looked up at the director, uh, Charlie McDowell, and I remembered him from The One I Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love Silicon Valley. He's uh, contributed to that as well as a director. Um, and so I, I remembered seeing The One I Love and really enjoying it and think it's, thinking you know it was a pretty unique sci-fi uh, story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just enjoy the way that that story was told. Uh, this, the discovery ended up reminding me quite a bit of that. Um, so yeah, I was, I was expecting, you know, I, I was, I was wondering if it was going to be another kind of quirky, um, kind of a roundabout sci-fi movie, if sure. you will. Um, and that, that's kind of what I was expecting, but I, I didn't want to like prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know if that's, he hasn't really done, um, Charlie McDowell hasn't really done enough to have like a, style necessarily yet he hasn't he hasn't done a whole lot as a director yet Mm -hmm. um so i wasn't 100 sure what to expect but uh you know what i was thinking of was the style of the one i love and Mm -hmm. uh and i think he kind of stuck to that style so nice yeah uh that's great uh oh wow he's been in a long-term relationship with rooney mara since 2010 Lucky him. That's interesting, right? Uh, so yeah, anyway, um, yeah, my expectations were, were just that I remember seeing, I remembered seeing a trailer, like a teaser, um, back when it was announced at somewhere. Um, this was months ago. I remember like seeing the teaser and thinking like, I, I have no idea what that's about. So <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out eventually, but I was intrigued by it. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause like, Charlie McDowell, you're right, Tiny. He doesn't have like a, um, a distinct style or anything yet. Um, but I found myself really, uh, uh, reminiscing or, uh, I found the movie very reminiscent of a different movie that wasn't the one I love, which I'll talk about more when we get into it. But, okay. um, but yeah, so I, I had a high hopes cause the, cause the, uh, premise, is really intriguing. So, uh, so yeah, so tiny, what did you in broad terms? Like, what did you think? We'll do a separate like spoiler section if we need to. Um, but again, this is on Netflix. So go check it out. If you don't, if, if you haven't already, uh, tiny, what were your overall thoughts on the discovery? I ended up really enjoying it. Um, like I said, it reminded me of, uh, the one I love. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I I really enjoy these types of sci-fi movies. Basically, that like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, a sci-fi story got wrapped up in a romance mm-hmm. story, sort of. Um, it, it's, it's just a, it's a fun way to tell a sci-fi story, and you know, we we talk about sci-fi a lot on on this podcast, and and what makes it good or bad. Um, and and I think, I think one thing that it that that uh, makes sci-fi good is. You know, not to explain things too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be fun. You know, there's, there's movies I can think of that are very scientific and based in reality and stuff like that. And, and those are great. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think sometimes it's the, the best answer or the best way into a really deep or, uh, complicated scientific idea is to just make it accessible. Mm-hmm. And and make give give your audience an in that gets them into the universe or gets them into the idea, um, and and kind of introduce it that way, and it makes the complexity of the science that much more 
accessible and it's almost like you're doing a sci-fi movie without doing a sci-fi movie or mm-hmm. without being too scientific yeah um more fiction than it. science <laughs> right right um so I, I i've i've really come to enjoy that that kind of storytelling i think it's i think it's fun um so yeah i i really enjoyed this and uh i i think i can say now charlie mcdowell has a style <laughs> i <laughs> right. mean he's i i he has a style and i like it mm-hmm. so He's very cerebral and and kind of more focused on the effects of of what's going on, like the effects on on humans and, and characters, rather than like kind of uh, working through like what the mechanics of of what the uh, the story is about, like right. like the like he presents a situation or a scenario or a a, a world or something. Um, and then he populates it with characters that are influenced in and uh, um, affected by those by that world that he's created, and it's it's an it's an interesting kind of way that he focuses on it because it's not like one is well, I mean, I guess the characters are more focused than than the premise and everything, but it's it's just exists in this world and this it has a life of itself that like in terms of the discovery itself, um, the movie uh, particularly. Um, it, these characters exist in this world that's like this is a year after this groundbreaking discovery has happened so and it's like you you hear all of these things here and there there's a countdown for the people who have committed suicide um or not countdown but a, a counter running uh which is kind of a morbid thing to do yeah but it's really unique that it's it's you just see this world building without it's kind of a minimalistic world building in that it's just uh kind of set design and then uh dialogue to kind of uh filter filter out like the the universe building there's not like a big montage of like people committing suicide um because they know that there's an afterlife now there's not anything like that it's all presented in dialogue and on that on that ticking counter and and on some of the uh like posters in the hospital and, and in the, in the, uh, in, in a couple other scenes, like kind of, they have like promotional things that are telling people, Hey, don't kill yourself. Um, and so it's just really unique kind of structure in terms of presenting this world and, and this backstory and, and, uh, delivering the exposition of the movie, even though the movie opens with literally like a, uh, a, uh, um, uh, an interview scene <laughs> that's essentially explaining everything. I loved that opening um, scene. Me too. And that was, that was really good. Um, and Robert Redford, man, he was fantastic. He was great. Yeah. Um, so I would say overall, uh, to get to my overall thoughts on the movie, um, I thought that it was pretty good. I, I thought it was, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I liked how, um, it's a contemplative science fiction movie. Um, that's not quite, heavy on the science fiction, but, uh, more about the emotional resonance of the characters and, and what they're going through and, and what, uh, what's happening at kind of, uh, worldwide level, but kind of condensed down to this, uh, small cast of characters. Um, and I appreciated that. I enjoyed the drama. Um, the kind of romantic storyline, um, was endearing. I, I enjoyed it for, what it was, that wasn't the part that I latched onto the most though. Um, what I really appreciated most about it was kind of the unfurling of 
information that came out about like the uh, the dynamic between um, Jason Siegel's character and Robert Redford and uh, Jesse Plemons and and how that kind of uh, backstory kind of came about and uh, and also when they I mean when the actual discovery itself is expanded upon in the movie it's uh, I mean it it really hooked me and it was really fascinating to see uh, this exploration of this kind of philosophical idea uh, presented in in the movie it was really uh, really unique and it, it kind of turned into a little bit of kind of a, a mystery thing <laughs> which mm-hmm. I thought was I thought was a pretty cool uh, way to go um, yeah so in, in uh, anything in specifics that you want to talk about like kind of uh, in the non-spoiler section um, I don't think so, really. I can't. I guess there's nothing specific. It's it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling that. Actually. It really is, yeah. And I'm trying to think of, like, let's just go kind of uh, performances, and then we can jump into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of uh, Jason Siegel? Uh, pretty unconventional performance for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a little bit of dramatic acting, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, mostly known as a comedy guy. Uh, yeah. He's one of the Apatow guys kind of. Right. Um, so this was, you know, obviously an unconventional role for him. Um, I was looking at the IMDb for the discovery and, mm-hmm. uh, Nicholas Holt was originally cast in his role. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, he would have been great too. I have, I, I like Nicholas Holt, but, um, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed seeing Jason Siegel give this kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was like an overly remarkable character. I think he was sort of, um, he was sort of the normal guy in this, right. in this movie. Um, he was the skeptic. Yeah. The yeah. skeptic. Right. And he was the only, you know, he kind of had a level head throughout most of the movie. And mm-hmm. a lot of these people kind of had their head in the clouds. So, um, it, it was just interesting to see him kind of play like the everyman mm-hmm. kind of general guy. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to put into words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I I think it was a fun casting choice and I'm, I'm sure it was a challenge for him. Yeah, I agree. I thought that he did a, uh, a fine job, like you said, playing kind of the, kind of the straight man of the, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I, I really appreciate him as a dramatic actor. Like, uh, did you ever see, oh man, the movie he did with Jesse Eisenberg, um, where he played, uh, David Wallace, David Foster Wallace. No. Oh man, I'm, the end of the tour. And, uh, he did a really great job of playing this, you know, tortured genius. Who's, um, uh, just looking for human connection or uh, not, not being able to kind of have human connection. Cause he's, you know, a genius and stuff. <clears throat> okay. Um, so yeah, so with, with this role, I think that it was, it suited him well because he was, uh, like you said, he was the kind of the straight man he was the skeptic of, of the group. And, uh, as he's kind of, it's kind of this outsider view of this really unique, uh, society that has formed, not necessarily society, but kind of commune, um, without going into specifics, he kind of goes to, um, essentially a mansion, uh, that there's a, some kind of somewhat cultish behavior, Mm -hmm. um, there and, uh, the plot kind of unfurls from there. Um, yeah, how about Rooney Mara? I've always been a big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's just got this certain energy to her, mm-hmm. regardless of what role she's playing. She's just, yeah, I just, 
I can't take my eyes off her. I mean, it doesn't help, doesn't hurt that she's really attractive and really beautiful, but mm-hmm. at least in my book. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- I think that's just, that's a small part of it. I think she's just a really good actress who, mm-hmm. you know, she, she's played some really intense roles mm-hmm. and uh, some really, uh, really emotional roles. And I feel like it's not even, it, she looks it looks really effortless to her you know mm-hmm. it's like she's not performing uh which is what an actor is supposed to do you know right so I, i've been a big fan of hers forever and i think she's i think she, this is just another example of great acting by her i agree yeah i i think she did it i think she did a fine job um i yeah i think i think she did she did a fine job there yeah nothing really i can't really say anything add anything more to it than mm-hmm. that uh than what you said but yeah, I think I think she did great. Mm-hmm. Um, the standout for me was definitely Robert Redford, though. Really? Yeah i I really liked kind of the scene. Um, there's a scene where he is kind of uh, he's speaking in front of the group, um, yeah. and he is he calls someone up uh, to be with him to to kind of confront them about something, and like there's this this intensity to him that's that's kind of muted. Like he is, he's, you know, it's comes across as threatening, but not like not menacingly. So like it's threatening and like a, you know, father scolding a a daughter kind of thing. Um, but it's really kind of unnerving. Like I didn't know where, um, the plot was going to go from there because I thought that it was going to be like, he was, he's just insane or something like that. Um, but it was it was really uh really intense and I, I liked his his performance and throughout the movie i would say uh muted is a very good word <laughs> to describe robert redford in general sure i'm not a fan of his really okay i, I know that's i'm maybe the only person to ever say that i don't know i i honestly i've never really understood why he is held in such high regard to be honest i see i, I don't i don't think he's that great of an actor really hmm. um just about everything i ever see him and i feel like he's he's just not a very emotive actor and, mm-hmm. and it's every single performance i've ever seen him give he's it's very like subdued okay. and like kind of uh just just kind of bland very kind of vanilla i think um and I, the scene you're talking about it was a good, it was a good scene mm-hmm. and he was okay, but I just, I don't know. I feel like the way he performed, I feel like his attitude in every scene is kind of the same regardless of what's happening. I feel like okay. he, he doesn't really yell or he doesn't like seem dejected or tired or anything. He's always just kind of there. It doesn't matter if it's Captain America or if it's right. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or mm-hmm. this. Or the Sting, or what? I don't know. I feel like his counterpart, Paul Newman, is the way superior actor, um, or was. That's yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I, I, he, he was fine, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of just another Robert Redford performance. Okay, I, I just, I don't get it. I've never gotten it with him. He's, he's fine. Sure, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, uh, yeah, I, I dug it, but I can definitely yeah. see your point. Totally loved me some Jesse Plemons, though. You know, I, <laughs> I did too, <laughs> but I feel like he was just, you know, kind of there. <laughs> oh, really? I really did. I mean, I like as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, cool, Jesse Plemons is in this movie. He's <laughs> he's awesome. And then like he kind of, I don't know, it kind of seemed like he was uh, uh, kind of set dressing for for the for the um 
place and like the kind of society that they were in essentially kind of like yeah his character didn't really seem to really uh inc- like really uh help i don't know enhance anything any mm-hmm. of the story it just seemed kind of like it was more enhancing the the kind of background of, of what was going on and, and where they were and and uh the kind of the way that things operated where they were if that makes sense yeah, I do get that. They definitely did not take his character as far as they could have. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they tried very hard with his character, unfortunately. Right. Um, but he's kind of like the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the, not not as intellectual as his brother and his dad and stuff. Right. Um, and so I think they they should have explored that a little bit more than they did. So I'll give you that. I think there was some issues with the, the role the character had. But um, there's just some classic Jesse Plemons awkwardness yeah like, there, there's a scene in particular where he's he's trying to distract someone mm-hmm. um oh yeah <laughs> and so he's trying to like That's draw right. out a conversation and like i just i laughed pretty damn hard yeah. at, at what he was doing it was <laughs> it reminded me of his his weirdness and goofiness on breaking bad mm-hmm. um yeah i'm i really like him he's uh, yeah fantastic. And I, I do too and and yeah i feel like the kind of, uh, toward the end of the movie, I won't give away what it is, but there's kind of an emotional, like, culmination to, to, like, that dynamic. Yeah. Um, like him, like him and, uh, J- Jason Siegel. Um, that, like, that, that, like, was really kind of profound and, and powerful. But I kind of feel like I wish that there was a little bit more developed with that character to kind of really sell that. Uh, scenario. I'm being very vague, but I'll I'll expand on that in, in uh yeah. spoilers. Yeah, he was definitely an under, underdeveloped character. Yeah. Yeah. Um the setting and, and filmmaking and everything, how'd you feel about that? I know that it's uh was filmed or set or both um on Rhode, uh, Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. Uh-huh. It's not an it's not an island. <laughs> <laughs> in Rhode Island. It kinda has this uh this kind of calming or, or well, I guess, yeah, calming kind of presence to it. The kind of atmosphere. It's like, uh, kind of late fall, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know, I think it suited the, the story and the world that they were building and, and, um, creating pretty well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a good setting because I think it, they were attempting to be isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rhode Island's a great place to go for that, I think. Right. Um, so that was good. Um, but I feel like, uh, the filmmakers, uh, Charlie McDowell and whoever, um, they, they, I, I don't know that they successfully demonstrated the, uh, risk of what they were doing. Um, you know, they're studying, they're studying death. And so, and, and there's, I think they were kind of, breaking the law with what they were doing Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i just i I didn't feel a sense of risk uh in that regard obviously there's risk with you know what they were doing but i just i I didn't feel it communicated very well and and i thought that was kind of a drawback of it um i think it would have added to the movie but Mm -hmm. but yeah I, i think i think it was i think it was good i think some of the set some of the uh scientific uh some of the scientific devices that were created were kind of cool mm-hmm. um like the poster for the movie uh if you look at it there's this whole kind of it just it's, it's really cool and like mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't want to spoil it sure. um or or whatever but it just 
it has a cool look to it. And I think, I guess I kind of appreciated that technology from a technology standpoint was kind of interesting. Okay. Um, there's some, yeah. there's sort of an eerie quality to some of it, mm-hmm. um, that I thought was well done. Cause again, they're, they're studying death. So it's, it's kind of eerie and macabre. Um, so yeah, I, I give them a lot of credit. I think, and again, I just think it's a cool idea for a movie. I don't know if I said that or not, but you know, the afterlife is one of the most curious and sought after concepts that any person ever thinks about. And, you know, to make a movie about it, first of all, is a really, it's, it's risky and it's, it's ballsy. Mm. Um, and I think it worked. I think it worked in this, in this example. I agree. Yeah. I, I uh, in terms of the, uh, the, the devices and everything, that that you uh uh reference i think i'll I'll talk a little bit more about that in spoilers but um yeah yeah i agree do you want to go into spoilers at this point sure yeah okay so if you guys haven't watched uh the discovery it's available on netflix right now um uh go check that out and uh come back and listen to our spoiler discussion if you've already seen it if you've done your homework um, like good podcast listeners, um, <laughs> uh, go ahead and continue listening and, uh, yeah, we'll come back with spoilers for the discovery. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, guys, uh, we're going into spoilers for The Discovery. It's available on Netflix, so make sure you check it out before you listen to this section. If you haven't seen it, but you want to get to our potpourri section, which is kind of a mega potpourri section this week because of the lack of episode uh, episodes recently, uh, skip ahead to 4626 in the time the time uh, stamps on here. My cat is crawling on me. Okay, uh, enjoy. They're just going to keep killing themselves. All right, so spoilers on for the discovery. Um, okay, so the the device thing that you, that you uh, reference the kind of head uh, thing uh, that looked. I mean, it looked. Just from an aesthetic standpoint, I think it looked okay. Um, it was kind of the concept of it was really interesting and kind of the, the quote unquote discovery that they can like view the afterlife or mm-hmm. view the, uh, the other plane of existence. That concept was like really, really fascinating to me. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, but then also like when I saw like the, uh, the apparatus that you, they would put on their head, I just felt like, it kind of felt like it looks like just a bunch of wires taped to marbles, <laughs> um, okay. which I mean, I think that's kind of the point. Like it's, you know, this kind of, uh, um, uh, kind of, kind of this ragtag or, or kind of improvised kind of device yeah. and everything. Yeah. They're, just they're like, not exactly Tony Stark building. The exactly. Iron Man suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I was just like, I, I wasn't as kind of, uh, impressed by that as, as you were, but the concept okay. of it, I thought was really cool. Gotcha. So, um, where do you want to start with spoilers? Um, I, I'd kind of want to start at, at the ending almost. Okay. Um, 
because you know eventually you find out that it's it's almost like basically reincarnation is what you're yeah is what it is and that's something i really like okay yeah do you, do you want to start it like the actual like v- the video of of the quote-unquote afterlife sure yes okay so like jason siegel sees like like he's they steal a cadaver and they hook him up to the machine to like kind of look into what the afterlife looks like and so jason siegel kind of records a video of this guy's afterlife where he's you know in a hospital uh walking through a hospital so that element of it i thought was really fascinating Mm -hmm. um just the kind of mystery aspect of it and uh the kind of in like uh jason siegel and rooney mark looking into it i thought was really cool um the reveal that it was that the other plane of existence isn't necessarily an afterlife so much as it is you know an alternate reality or alternate thing that like i mean that's that's fun like brain like uh um what's the word i'm looking for like, like a thought uh, exercise yeah thought exercises and stuff because yeah. like like who who doesn't wonder what would uh what would have happened if my life was like this or what happened if, right. what would have happened if this would have happened um so that element i thought was really interesting yeah, yeah. i found i thought it was really cool that um it's it's essentially reincarnation but in a in a very 21st century explanation kind of way mm-hmm. that it's an alternate reality um but i think it's really cool that it it boils down to a specific moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you're reincarnated or you're taken to a specific moment in your life mm-hmm. that was pivotal to who you became, I guess, or right. or is pivotal to some kind of universal importance or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the universe picks a spot to send you back to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of metaphysical that way that it's mm-hmm. it's like is god sending you there or you know is it is it just the universe is it some kind of unseeable force is it aliens yeah <laughs> right um but i, I just I, I find it cool that that it's it's about a specific moment mm-hmm. because you know like you said people go through that thought thought exercise all the time if i had oh, made yeah. Instead of this one decision I made at this one moment in my life, if I had made the opposite decision, how different would things be? And right. How would it affect everyone around me and the rest of the way I lived the rest of my life and stuff like that? So this explores that. Um, and I thought that was – I think that's a cool idea. It's just, it's just a cool idea, and it, it, it was expressed really well in this movie. Um, yeah. The, the moment where Jason Siegel's character dies – and he travels back to his moment at that time is when he meets Rooney Mara on the ferry mm-hmm. and he goes back and he's basically talking to his subconscious Yeah, and she's personified. His subconscious is personified as Rooney Mara's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of like, it was almost like it was too meta mm-hmm. that I think it's not that it didn't work or it, was dumb or I'm not trying to be too negative on it. I just think it was a little clunky. I'll put it that way. It was kind of clunky. And I, I think the dialogue, I guess was, it just, it just didn't really work for me. Like I think it could have, it kind of seemed a little over overly explanatory. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it kind of, kind of beat us over the head with it. A lot of exposition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't mind it because I, I just thought it was okay. I, I was more interested in the fact that he has been dying multiple, multiple, multiple times. Right. Um, and I thought for a second, I was like, holy shit, are they going to show, like, are they going to show the counter and say that he's died four million times? Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't go that route. But, right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting, and and mm-hmm. yeah, to continue. I don't mean I didn't mean to cut you off. If you have more to say, yeah. Well, just just the continuation of it is that you know he fixes that that one moment or that moment kind of changes, and you know his subconscious in that that as he's dying tells him you've fixed that moment, you've helped Isla the character mm-hmm. as much as you possibly could, more than you ever have in the in, in the other times. And so they send he gets he gets to go back to a different time, mm-hmm. um, and you know of course it's the it's just cool that it's the you know this is the time where it as he's dying basically he's like I will remember you I will I will remember right. you this time and he actually does and like that's mm-hmm. the ending I th- I don't know it was cool and you know I I think it's it's nice that at some moments in this movie they did kind of explain a lot and it was exposition heavy and kind of a little clunky. <laughs> Hmm. But they kind of left that moment hanging at the end. Yeah, I think that was a good way. It's my way of trying to say it was a good ending. Right. <laughs> um, uh, it was. It was a good way to end the movie. They didn't beat us over the head with anything, and mm-hmm. um, it just worked. I think it worked really well, and I, I appreciated the ending. Nice. Uh, yeah, I really, I really liked the ending. It kind of left me with a lot to kind of chew on, and yeah. uh, really was was pretty fascinating to me um the kind of concepts that the movie played with overall and the way that it resolved the conflicts and and uh presented the concepts at the end was just really intriguing to me and thought-provoking yeah um there's there's another moment in the movie that i thought was um kind of a missed opportunity or or sort of a mishandle i would say mm -hmm. it's it's where robert redford kills himself and records it and you get to see the video of you know he gets sent back to the moment where he kind of talked his wife into killing herself (laughs) right um and that's his moment and i i feel like you know that that's kind of like the pivotal moment in that family is when Mm -hmm. their mother died and so i feel like I feel like the reaction to the two sons, Jason Siegel and Jesse Plemons, sitting there watching mm-hmm. their father speak the words that inspired their mother to kill themselves. They're literally, literally watching it happen. Right. Well, the way that it was in the when they're watching it in the, in the videos yeah. that they're watching the alternate reality where he. Right. Yeah. I know. Well, what I'm trying to say is that that's like one of the arguably the most emotional event in their life. Mm hmm. And they were just kind of sitting there watching it. It, it wasn't, yeah. I feel like they should have been like destroyed emotionally and just very, I, I was expect. I would have, I was expecting more of a reaction to that. Sure. And then afterwards, yeah. after he, after Robert Redford is revived, you know, they're sitting there and Robert Redford watches the video and they're kind of sitting there talking about it. I thought it was all very chill and very relaxed. Right. Given the importance of that moment for all mm-hmm. three of them and their family. I thought it was, I would, I just expected a little bit more emotional response and a little bit more uh, drama, basically. Okay, that wasn't sure. really there. I can I can understand that for sure. I thought that that's the moment where Jesse Plemons kind of sh- shined for me. Oh, really? I thought okay. that like them watching it and uh, and like, watching it and saying like, "Well, no, keep it going." Like you know, 
while he's like dying. <laughs> yeah. um, keep it going because they need to see it more. Because like I just love the idea that I mean they're seeing the alternate version where his their father is making the decision to you know come to dinner and not right not spend all night working so that she'll go kill herself. Yeah. Having said that. <laughs> It's like, okay, that's, it's not like a perfect world. Cause like, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's also has some emotional, uh, or some, uh, some issues at the, uh, at the end of the day. Cause it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not like a, a perfect view of a perfect world. Cause you know, she was still about to go kill herself. There's yeah. clearly other problems within that family unit. <laughs> But, uh, just, I don't know. I, I, I thought that, I thought that the emotion of it, the emotional impact of it, uh, hit pretty hard. It did get a little, uh, a little disappointing when Robert Redford woke up and he was, it w- like you said, it wasn't like that emotionally dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. It was more of, uh, Robert Redford saying like, Hey, well, maybe it's not the afterlife. Maybe it's an alternate reality. Like kind of just explaining it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the kind of the moment where, uh, again, the moment where Jason Siegel dies and he's basically talking to his subconscious on the mm. ferry. Um, it's explained that you know he's done this lots of times and he's died lots of times and uh, has gone back to the same moment, uh, been reincarnated, whatever you want to call it. It's we're shown through a montage that there are there were kind of hints at that or there were, there were, you know, people remember certain things and they don't realize they're remembering them. It's kind of like a deja vu kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And my question is, did you, did you pick up on that throughout the movie that they kept mentioning like, Oh, how did you know this is the room you're staying in and, and stuff like that. Throughout the movie. No, that did not register with me at all. I thought that, I thought that going back and showing all those moments was just a little bit hokey. Yeah. Um, and a little over the top, but, but I thought that it was, uh, the concept of it, uh, it revealing that this is one of several times that he's gone back to, to try to save Isla or, or he's, he's died mm-hmm. several times. Like I liked that as a concept. I thought that was an effective twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't pick up on it either. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm bad at picking up on stuff like that. Sure. I, I'm really not good at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't like disappointed or anything that I didn't pick up on it, but, um, I felt like it I felt like it was a little um a little cheap I guess or mm-hmm. like I don't know I th- I thought it was so subtle that like no one would have picked up on that. Yeah. And sure. And also uh I, what was I going to say? Um oh, gosh, there was something else I was going to say. I don't know. I can't remember what I was going to say. Okay. I'm no tired. <laughs> no problem. I've been up since 4:30. Holy shit. Yeah. Um okay, how about the cult aspect? Um How'd you feel about that? Like, I thought that that was a really interesting kind of avenue for the, for the, uh, movie to go. It, 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 I mean, it kind of felt like a, uh, low budget movie exercise and like they have this global event or this global thing that's happening, but it, by making it take place all on this compound with this kind of somewhat cultish following, uh, just made it more contained and very much localized to just that location, uh, which I don't mind. I mean, you know, if you have a strong story or strong concepts with it, then, you know, contained storytelling like that to a contained uh, set uh, can work like gangbusters. 
Um, so what did you think of that whole cult aspect of it? Um, again, I, I think I agree with you. I think it made sense for the movie and mm-hmm. I think it, I think it was a way to, because the setting had to be kind of an isolation, uh, from the rest of the world, there had to be a way to, uh, communicate to the audience that there's this whole, you know, basically the cultural and I guess religious or like, uh, uh, supernatural effect, I guess, mm-hmm. on the world population on, you know, basically how, how it affected everyone. There has to be mm-hmm. a way to demonstrate that. So I think the whole, you know, they're kind of like taking people in who are damaged mm-hmm. and, and that whole kind of, you know, the compound culty kind of thing. I think it made sense. And I think without it, it would have been a little bit less interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he, if it was just Robert Redford, basically working at like a university researching this whole afterlife thing and you know everyone's on board and it's there's no secret right. thing and it's just a bunch of his employees working for him or something that wouldn't it wouldn't have been as interesting and i, I think that was a good it, it was a good aspect of the story to mm-hmm. make it more interesting and 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 i think it demonstrated the isolation a little bit better as well yeah i i definitely agree with you there um yeah yeah uh i feel like we're kind of Running out of things to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall thoughts on the movie? How'd you feel about it overall? Uh, I dug it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I just, again, I think it was a great idea for a movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very, very difficult subject to tackle, um, and, and a really, uh, kind of a brave choice to, mm-hmm. uh, subject matter to talk about and make a movie about. Um, and I, th- I just think it worked and I, I love the performances and, just a cool movie. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'd probably give it, um, I don't think it's going to make top 10 or top 20 list or anything like that, but, mm. uh, I'd give it a, a solid seven out of 10. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think I'll see it again, really, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind that I saw it. I thought that it was really good, um, for what it was. I, I don't have many, like, negative things to say about it. Um, it does make me very curious what Charlie McDowell is going to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, after the one I love and now this, I, I kind of feel like he's, uh, I feel like he has a lot to kind of, kind of prove or not prove, but like he's, he's doing well. I like what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I, I think that, uh, he shows a lot of promise and potential. That's what I was trying to say. He's clearly, clearly talented, but a little raw still. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's on Netflix. It's, uh, the discovery, uh, check it out and let us know what you thought, you know, join the Facebook group and, and, you know, let us, let us know what you thought. Um, and yeah, so instead of a regular potpourri section, we're going to have a mega long potpourri segment, uh, from an extended potpourri episode that I didn't get around to editing. Um, so <laughs> enjoy that. Um, yeah, we're going to cut to that now and, uh, enjoy. Tiny, do you remember what I what I'm doing on uh, Saturday, April fifteenth at six thirty p.m.? I do. I have it in my calendar. Oh, nice. You are hosting a panel. 
I at Indiana Comic Con. Nice. I'm so six thirty p.m. Yeah, I thought I was going to put you on the spot there. Hey. But awesome. Yes, at uh, Indiana Comic Con here on uh, on Saturday, April fifteenth at six thirty p.m. I'm going to be hosting a podcast uh, panel <laughs> about um, podcasting. About podcasting. No, I'm going to be hosting a panel about hosting a solo podcast. Um, so that should be fun. I still haven't uh, really done any prep for it, so we'll see how much I crash and burn um, on <laughs> April fifteenth. And if you're at Indiana Comic Con, make sure you come uh, stop by and, and check it out, um, you know, and, and say hey. Um, also, new Patreon subscriber. Hey. Tiny. Yes. Uh, last episode's uh, one, of la- one of the guests from last episode, um, Tommy Day, is now he is a, he is a Patreon subscriber. Nice. Um, so thank you so much, Tommy, for uh, supporting us. And, of course, guys... Uh, you can check out his game by the rights, which we played last last time on the podcast. Had such a blast doing that. That was so fun. It was so much fun. Um, like editing it, I was just, I was like, I just want to do this again all the time. Totes. Um, but yeah, find by the rights. It's a it's a movie pitching party game. Listen to our last episode for uh to to get a taste of what it's like and how fun it is and addictive it is. Um, and you can buy that on Amazon and thank you, Tommy, for supporting us. He's also about to launch a podcast. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Um, I already, like uh, he, he, uh, um, he invited us onto it once it gets off the ground. Sweet. Yeah. So I, I mean, I already RSVP'd for you, tiny. So, um, uh, oh, yep. <laughs> you can follow that. Uh, the, it's still in the works, but you can follow them at uh, at Video Store FM on Twitter, and uh, definitely give them a follow and uh, let uh, make sure make sure that you keep your eye out for when it's uh, for when it's posted. Their description on Twitter is: Stop by the video store and chat about movies, TV, games, and nerd culture with a few friends from the Midwest. Super excited to, uh, for them to get that off the ground and to uh, check that out once it, and be a part of it or be a guest on it. So, mm-hmm. all right. So I think that is all of the housekeeping I have. Um, like I said, Tiny, we took a little bit of a, of a hiatus. Um, I made some pretty extravagant purchases during that time. Nice. Made some very big life uh, changes in terms of money and and. Uh, spending money and stuff. What all did you do? Um, I also made a pretty extravagant purchase. Uh, it's about 135 grand. Get new shoes. <laughs> Bought a house. <laughs> nice. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank nice. you. And moved into that house. Very nice. And it's just been nonstop ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But the most exciting thing, not you know the ma- major life change or anything that you made or whatever mm-hmm. is that your house is like right down the street literally so exciting like a two minute commute to here right yeah so awesome, awesome i sauce. already hit him up to give me a ride somewhere for for something but uh, that's <laughs> yeah. actually not a lie <laughs> you didn't hit me up i offered you did you did yeah, yeah. i appreciate that by the way <laughs> yeah no problem yeah um anyway uh so yeah uh so tiny bought a house congratulations thank you um again you know he just put himself into massive debt, he and his fiance. So help support us at patreon.com. Please do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the other hand, I uh, bought a PS4. So there's right. that and a bunch of comics. Bunch of comics. A bunch of comics. Um, but yeah. So, so hey, if you want to add me on PlayStation Network, my. Uh, <laughs> I first made this PSN account like 10 years ago, so so bear with me. It is topbanana0769. Hey. <laughs> so add that or just search for Matt Hurt. 
Um, <laughs> top and that's not a sexual thing. It's it's for my car. My car is a yellow charger, and the number is zero seven six nine. That's the name of the. That's the actual name of the color, right? It is the top name banana. of the color. Yeah, right. it's a Charger Daytona. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, let's go ahead and dive into our extended potpourri, Tiny. Yep. You have eight things. Mm-hmm. I have also eight things. Um, do you want to get us kicked off with, uh, with sure. your first thing? Absolutely. Uh, I have at my new house, I actually have like my own area. Nice. Which is nice. I, I hesitate to call it a man cave because that's kind of turned into a douchey right. phrase. But, your uh, bro hangout. Yeah, bro, your, uh, bro your, out. Yeah. Bro cave, bro. Got a, got a, got a little, get a little keg and, and some, yeah. some, uh, some weights to lift. Some and, weights to lift, some naked and, ladies. Yeah. Picture on the yeah stuff. Hooters calendar Hooters calendar there you go yeah no anyway. none, none of those things <laughs> literally uh, it's a TV and a lawn chair at the moment nice um, but so I, I was I was able to uh, knock out a couple movies um, which was was great the first one I watched was Sicario mm-hmm. or Sicario I don't know, Sicario Sicario mm-hmm. um, which heard tons of things about it um, I was really excited to see it. I I completely forgot that it was directed by Denis Villeneuve. Right. Um, but uh, as soon as I started watching it, I was like, "Who directed this?" Because <laughs> um, it just had it had a it looked quality, and it looked mm-hmm. like it wasn't just McGee yeah. or something, right? You know? And Roger Deakins did the uh, cinematography for it. Okay. It was fucking beautiful. Nice. Yeah. The establishing shots of of the landscape were just really like like key like they really they really keyed you into like mm-hmm. the tone of it and everything and yeah i really appreciated that mm-hmm. um i liked the movie and yeah i can understand i think you had some issues with it i did yeah i i mean they're a little fuzzy to mm-hmm. me i talked about them i think last year on the on the podcast but yeah yeah what uh what did what did you like about the movie i i really liked the intense moments of it mm-hmm. I, I feel like they felt really real um, there's, there's one scene in particular where they're kind of in traffic, like in a traffic jam. Yeah. Um, that was just like, man, it was super intense. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I mean, that was like as intense as it gets edge of your seat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think they captured that really well. Um, I enjoyed the violence of it. It was just so, um, the violence was just so like, um, what's the word I'm trying like, uh, like bold, mm-hmm. just like really bold, like, uh, not necessarily realistic even, but just like, just right there on the surface. Like they didn't try to, you know, do any quick cuts or like sure. super flashy makeup or CGI crap or anything. It was just really, really, uh, really bold. That's the word that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I really dug all those things about it, but um, I think it was kind of slow. It kind of developed slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I kind of liked it a lot, but nice. I but I realized it has some issues. Um, I'm kind of I kind of liked it a lot despite the the downfalls of it. Um, I really liked. I should have done more research. I really liked the the black guy from uh, Black Mirror. Oh yeah, was in it. Um, I was just I was just looking him up. Uh, yeah. Daniel uh, Kaluuya. Okay. Yeah. That's the only other thing I had seen him in was Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, that's the dude from that Black Mirror episode. <laughs> Um, he was great. I mean, like he, you know, a complete 180 from, right. or, you know, just completely different. Like he nailed the American accent and mm-hmm. yeah, I liked him a lot. Um, and I enjoyed, 
Emily Blunt, which I but I felt like she was a little uh, a little bland kind of. Yeah. Maybe it was just the character. Sure. I think that was my issue is that she she was uh she wasn't like the focal character. She was more of a conduit for us, I think, mm-hmm. more than anything else and the majority of the movie was about her perception of of the of cartels and and uh the drug enforcement agency and stuff like that like their tactics and things Mm -hmm. and that was like the majority of the movie and then kind of in the third act you get this reveal that the whole like not necessarily this reveal but like the movie shifts into almost a completely different movie Mm -hmm. and while that story and that section of it is really intense and that is like the the highlight of the movie the entire movie for me i'm just i was left thinking like well you know we could have probably, you know, cut out Emily Blunt and just expanded that into a whole movie. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know. I, that was that was one of my issues with it. I, I haven't revisited since the first time I saw it, so maybe my opinion will change. Yeah, I, I was questioning throughout the movie her reason for being there, mm-hmm. like her reason for being the main character and like choosing to go on the mission she goes on. I just, like, was she ambitious? Was she just curious? Like, right. what? I mean. Her character was a bit of a question mark. Sure, so that was definitely a downfall of it. But I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, the the, the tense moments and the violence were very, very, uh, very enjoyable. Yeah, like yeah. the uh, the night vision sequences mm-hmm. kind of toward the end was really yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad that you liked it, Tiny. Yeah. Um, what do you got first? Well. Keeping uh, speaking of Daniel Kaluuya, yeah. Um, I watched a movie that he is the, uh, one of the stars of the star of, um, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, tiny, get out of my apartment. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> get out is Jordan Peele's directorial debut. He wrote and directed it. It's, uh, I'll read the plot description from IMDb. A young African American man visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious family estate. And so this movie I thought was really, really good. It's, uh, it really plays up the, um, um, this fear born out of racial tension that is at first, it, it's at first, it's awkward and it's more like he's just, he's getting a sense of what this family's like or, or just, you know, he's clearly like, uh, he's uncomfortable because he's he's not sure how to act because it's his first time meeting his girlfriend's family. And also there's that racial barrier there that's kind of awkward. And then it grows into something that's like, it's it's intense. And like the places that it goes, it's really, it's really eerie. <laughs> um, and like there's one scene in particular that I won't give away um, any details about, but I was sitting there and I was like, they they're doing this, but what? And then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, Oh, that's it's, it completely blew it open for me. And I was like, Holy, Holy crap. This is, this is really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, uh, it just, I, and I, I really appreciated the, the acting and, and the writing. It was, uh, for Jordan Peele, who's prim- primarily known for comedy. Uh, there's some really good comedic elements to it, but this is a thriller and it's, it's a really well done thriller in my opinion. Um, there is, there is some good comedic beats to it though. And one of the things I really respected about it was how it, 
how it contained itself or how, how the movie was like with a thriller, um, with a horror thriller in general, like you, that, that genre, that brand of movie kind of seems like, kind of seems like it's really, uh, tailor made for, or it's, uh, it's easier to fall into kind of, uh, uh, genre cliches and, and, um, retreads and stuff like that. But the way that this movie unfolds and the way that it uses elements of the story and elements of the backstory to come into play later in the movie is really, re- uh, uh, commendable and really makes me eager to see what Jordan Peele does in the future as far as, as filmmaking and, and screenwriting goes, because he, he really, uh, really impressed me with, with Get Out. Nice. Yep. That's what I've heard from everybody who's seen it. Yeah. They all it's, think it's like a really unique movie and it really is. Yeah. And uh the patriarch of the of of his girlfriend's family is uh Bradley Whitford. Oh yeah. Yeah. Josh Lyman up in this house mm. in the I'm white. So <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that to see it eventually. Yeah, it's uh it's really good. Nice. Uh, Tiny, what do you got next for us? Uh, yeah, up next, another movie I got to watch. It took a week. Uh, <laughs> the Hateful Eight. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, just shy of three hours. Wow. Um, yeah, that was a long movie, but man, it was so much fun. Right? <laughs> I just, I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like Quentin Tarantino has gotten, gotten almost, I don't want to say predictable, mm-hmm. but, um, I guess the emotions that he taps into and like the way you're going to react to things is, is predictable now. Okay. Like, you know, I, w- I didn't go into this movie expecting a straightforward, realistic Western. You know what I mean? Sure. This is, he was going to Tarantino it mm-hmm. and he did. And, and it, it just, it just works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what genre he's doing or anything. It's just, it's just about, man, it's just, he's just got so much style. Yeah. He's just so stylish. Um I I absolutely loved it. Um I it's weird how much I enjoy when Quentin Tarantino has people just talk to each other. Yeah. It's so yeah. weird. Like I there's almost no one else who can do it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean it's so it's such a such a rare skill to have mm-hmm. to just have two people or a group of people just sitting there talking to each other yeah. and you can't take your eyes off the screen. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, one of my favorite things about the movie was the setting, um, and the set itself. Um, I'd say two thirds of it takes place inside like a log cabin, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, and I just, I absolutely loved the detail involved in that set. Um, they're in this log cabin waiting out a blizzard. Mm-hmm. And it just feel like I was cold when I was watching it. Like <laughs> you just you feel you can feel the cold coming off the mm-hmm. screen, um, which was just really captured really well. Um, that that was one of my favorite things. Um, I love the winter and like I love cold weather and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that just really spoke to me quite a bit. Nice. Um, the casting was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. Um, Kurt Russell, <laughs> yeah. I feel he's just like. He just carved out a niche, niche for himself, mm-hmm. like the Western thing. I really loved him in uh, Bone Tomahawk, which, right. we, which we watched uh And, of course, Tombstone. Recently. And Tombstone, right. Yeah. He's just uh, he's perfect for the Western genre. He really is. Yeah. I just just love him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was great. Samuel L. Jackson never fails to be a fun character, be a fun guy. And um, for me, most notably... 
Walton Goggins. I was so glad. I'm so glad you're bringing him up. And like, it wasn't just like he was some bit character. Like, right. He was like one of the main, he was one of the eight. I mean, he's like one of the most, like one of the most central characters Mm -hmm. and pivotal characters in the, in the uh, movie. And I was Mm -hmm. so glad, I'm so glad to see someone as reputable as Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. using him so prominently. That my sentiments exactly. Cause I mean, yeah, I almost called him Shane Vendrell for a second. <laughs> nice. um, Walton Goggins is incredible. I still need yeah. to watch Justified, but I mean, just, I mean, that man, he's inc- just what he, what he accomplished in his role in the shield was just yes. outstanding. So yes, glad to see him get bigger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, and it was just, just such a cool, like such a cool and fun scenario for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just how he comes up with that shit. I yeah. will just never. I'll I'll just never I like <clears throat> there's he's just such a great storyteller mm-hmm. and he comes up with these fun little stories within his stories like the whole Abraham Lincoln angle yeah it was just so clever mm-hmm. and yeah and stuff all of, all that stuff there's some nonlinear stuff that's just so well done right it was awesome it was really awesome I mean it's his eighth movie I don't know where I'd rank it among the eight but right it's you don't need to. They're all just amazing. Right. Yeah, I just he's he's great and I love the hateful eight. It's a little bit long. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm not sure where I would have cut from right. if I was editing that movie. Do you know if you watched the uh, uh I guess they didn't I don't think they've actually released the Roadhouse or not Roadhouse but the Roadshow. That was like three and a half hours. Yeah, it? it was like three and a half hours. I think that was only seventy millimeter screenings and that's it. Okay. Yeah, so never mind. It did. Yeah, never mind. I think it was like two hours and forty minutes. Two okay. hours and forty-five minutes. I, I, I recorded it on TV on my DVR, gotcha. and it was two hours and fifty-three minutes long. So okay, yeah, you know, that includes nice. credits and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I loved okay. it. Loved it. Nice. Um, speaking of period movies, that um, uh, talk about really long. Distances and uh, I, I got nothing. Um, I thought that I thought that there was a way that I can connect this, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I watched The Great Wall mm-hmm. um, with Matt Damon and oh um, yeah Pedro Pascal. Okay. Um, yeah, with Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal. Uh, this movie, according to IMDb, is European mercenaries searching for black powder become embroiled in the defense of the Great Wall of China against a horde of monstrous creatures. And, uh, okay, so The Great Wall is a movie that, uh, okay, okay, I forgot to mention this. So I watched The Great Wall, like, the week, within the week after I watched Get Out. And one of the things about Get Out that I forgot to mention in my little mini-review of it there was that uh, there was a person that was seated, like, four seats down who was, who slept throughout like 90% of that movie. Really? Like, and it was like, it wasn't like a, like, oh, just nodding off and everything. It was like, the dude was snoring throughout the majority of the movie, <laughs> like loudly snoring. Oh my God. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, and hilarious. <laughs> but with the great wall, I was I like, it was one of those movies that I just on a whim, I went, I went to the theater after work and, and saw it. Like I, I'm getting tired just even talking about it. <laughs> I started dozing off in the theater and it wasn't like, a, oh no, I got to stay awake to watch this. It was like, well, if I have movie pass, 
Um, <laughs> if I see like an extra movie this month, then it's not really like I could fall asleep during this <laughs> and be okay. Yeah. And still break even for the month with movie pass. <laughs> um, like there was nothing in this movie that, 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 uh, held my attention. Um, it, there are moments throughout the entire movie where, uh, Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal are, are, doing like little quips back and forth about uh that's supposed to be like kind of a a buddy comedy kind of kind of uh tone to the dialogue and everything 100 100% of the com- comic relief there just was completely flat Ooh. did not work for me at all like Rough. the camaraderie between them did not work for me um the the visual effects of the monsters and stuff didn't impress me at all. The apparently the the director, um, uh, I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, Yamao Zhang, he's he's like a very respected uh, Chinese filmmaker. Um, he did like the Beijing opening ceremonies, mm. uh, House of Flying Daggers, Hero. Um, he's he's done some stuff. Um, and he. Like, there's something about the action sequences. Like, the movie seemed way, way too, um, too dependent on slow motion. Um, like, anytime that, like, they would, they would do something, like, super insane and, like, like, uh, like, really cool archery and, and taking down a, uh, an, a monster that's, that's climbed on top of the wall. It's like, it just, as soon as it gets to, like, what would be, like, a really cool money shot for, uh, for, like, them, like, taking it down and stuff, it would just go into slow motion so you would see everything, like, slowed down for. And it's like, that ruins the impact of it. Like, that just mm-hmm. kills it. Um, the story did, did nothing for me. The acting, whatever. Um, it just, it, it was kind of a waste of time. Um, damn. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that good. Um, it was just weird that, like none of the comedic beats worked for me. Yeah. It was it was weird and none of the action did. So from what I read it's very popular or very successful in China. Apparently Matt Damon is like huge over there. Really? Yeah, like he is massive and I think that's that's why. Gotcha. That's why it was successful. Yeah, and it was like a wasn't it like a joint venture between it was like a joint venture between like Chinese production and american production i believe so yeah yeah like i was so bored throughout it like my most exciting moment in the theater seat was i was sitting there about halfway through the movie and i was like oh wow hey like in the second to last episode of the recent season of project Greenlight, there was a there was a scene where matt damon calls the director to wish him luck or whatever or congratulate him and stuff and he was in china and i'm like oh he was there filming this <laughs> that was the most exciting part of the movie for me <laughs> is realizing that oh. he was filming the movie when project Greenlight was was happening wow and i i mean i wasn't even that crazy about project Greenlight. yeah so Jeez. yeah I think it made like three hundred million dollars in two weeks. Jesus. Last time I checked, so I'm sure it's like it's been super successful. So there's that in in China. Yeah, right. In the right. U.S., I don't think it did well. Oh, I think it. I think it bombed Pretty, in the U.S. Yeah, it bombed, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, more Matt and more, Damon. <laughs> more and more as uh, as time goes on, the uh, success of. Or I mean, the importance of the uh, overseas box office, particularly China, is I mean that's yeah that'll eventually dictate how most of 
the Hollywood businesses run. It's a big deal now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Tiny, I just talked about a really disappointing movie. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious what you're going to say about this one. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming your opinion, but what do you think of your, what, go ahead. Yeah. So it's uh passengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fiance and I watched passengers. <laughs> um, we paid to rent passengers. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't that great. It mm. was really, um, super generic, mm-hmm. um, predictable. And, uh, yeah, it was basically an excuse to put, two of the hottest people in Hollywood right now, both physically and like, you know, uh, box office appeal, box office appeal wise into a movie and be like, well, let's just have them bang a little bit and people come out and watch it. Right. Like that was, that was like 60% of the enthusiasm for the movie right mm-hmm. there. Um, which I enjoyed that. Sure. Um, but that's like three minutes of the movie. If that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was, it was predictable and it was just kind of, just kind of dumb and I mean the eventually there's like a bit of a mystery kind of going throughout the movie and when it's eventually solved it's like are you fucking kidding me like that was <laughs> that was the big mystery or like that was the that was the problem this whole time mm-hmm. and it was just so simplistic like this is yeah. like a this is like a I don't know like an undergrad like an undergrad script in in movie school. Yeah. That's what it feels like. I, I mean, I have counters that but continue and we can discuss okay. it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like to me and mm-hmm. I I really wasn't that into it. The only thing that I I don't know if I'd say I enjoyed it. It held my attention the whole time. I was never mm-hmm. like I'm freaking bored. This is dumb. But, you know, it it entertained me for an hour and a half, 2 hours, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um that's I can give it credit for that, but that's about it. Um where was I going with that? Um, the most the, oh, some of the, the one of the things I kind of sort of liked about it was sort of the there's kind of some uh, questions of morality or like what mm-hmm. what could be considered a moral thing to do, and there's a character who kind of wrestles with taking certain actions, um, and so that was sort of interesting, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It wasn't enough to for me to give it many points. I'll put it that way. Sure. Um, yeah, it just it just wasn't that great of a movie. You know, it. I'm I'm glad that I don't think it's going to be something that's going to like really hurt Chris Pratt or right. Um, they can take the hit. Yeah, or yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, but uh, or uh, Larry Fishburne for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael Sheen, I guess. Michael Sheen, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a cameo at the end. I, I guess I won't spoil it. Not a cameo, but I don't even remember. There's a, a, like, a, a pretty substantial kind of big name actor at the end. Really? Has, has no lines whatsoever. And it's just like in the mo- like one of the last scenes of the movie. Huh. You'll like, have to remember, remind me off my yeah, head. I, 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 I really remember. don't want to spoil it for anybody. But yeah. yeah. Like, I was just like. Wow. I think maybe by the end of it, I was so checked out. I was like, okay, I don't care. Yeah. So, huh. Yeah. It, it just wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And it's it was a big, huge, giant movie. It was just a, it was just a cat. This was a business movie. It was yeah. just a cash grab. And well, it's yeah. interesting because this. I I agree with you totally. Yeah. Um. In the script, it's interesting because I read that it it was uh like a few years ago. It was like it was on the Hollywood blacklist for of highly sought after unproduced screenplays. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was like a very a very uh hot property. Um. 
but yeah, whatever whatever changes made in the interim from then to now, yeah, like I don't know because, like you said, the problem that they had to that they eventually had to fix at the end was like, like as as the tension of the movie was ramping up and as the trouble the troubleshooting was was occurring, like what they were like they were trying to fit, like they were people the characters were in peril and they were trying to get themselves out of peril. The whole time, I kept thinking. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know why this is. I don't know why this is important, but it's okay because the characters don't know what why it's important. I don't <laughs> think the screenwriter knows why it's important either. <laughs> so it was more like a. I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. And it was like you said. It was a very simplistic thing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, when when you said that you you like the kind of morality thing about the movie. Yeah. Um. Which we can be vague for anyone who still wants to see it. Um unspoiled but um i thought that 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 characterization that action that is kind of uh uh it happens fairly early in the movie um that action i thought was like one of the most misguided things i've seen in in a movie um misguided like character beats in relation to the arc for the rest of the movie like there's a decision that's made that I feel like could have pushed the movie into a much more compelling, um, uh, character focused, like borderline thriller, um, and like contained thriller. But what they do is they just set this up. They set up this, this decision, this thing that happens, and then they go into the most generic, um, uh, expected cliched storyline between two characters. And then when it comes back up as, as a thing, like there are some consequences to it, but it's like at the end of the day, this is like, this is like a thing that is, is like antagonist building instead of, you know, a rough patch for two characters. Right. It's like, it, I wish that it was, I wish that it was, a different type of movie. Like if they were going to make that decision early in the script, I wish that they would have made a, a another decision for the rest of the movie. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about it off mic. Cause uh, yeah. I would, I would really like to get uh, your spoiler thoughts on it. Totally. Um, do you have anything more on it? Um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't really let Chris Pratt be Chris Pratt. That's true. I don't yeah. feel like, I mean, I feel like the ultimate example of that is probably guardians of the galaxy, maybe mm-hmm. where he's very Chris Pratty and like, right. he was awesome. And then they dialed him down for Jurassic world. And then I feel like we got very, almost no Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. Chris Prattishness being himself mm-hmm. in this movie. And that was a shame. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it would be okay for him to branch out and do things that isn't part of his brand. That's true. And you know, yeah. And this is another thing about the movie. It's sci, it's a sci-fi movie. Like it's mm-hmm. a, a big, huge budget sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you've mentioned before and we talked before about how there's not a lot of, there's not always a lot of great sci-fi out there. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a shame that so much money got thrown at such a crappy, right. crappy movie. And it turned out so bad mm-hmm. that, you know, I wish movies like, like, uh, primer or something yeah. would have gotten some of the money from freaking passengers so that could have been right. an extra awesome movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i don't know I, I wish priorities were different when it yeah. comes to sci-fi sometimes sure and on that note a couple other things about it i'm sure i talked about it last year on the podcast but um two positive positives for me with passengers is one 
Um, I mean, the opening sequence where where Chris Pratt uh he wakes up and he's he's wandering around and it's kind of an exposition dump of of showing us like um basically giving us the backstory of of the of this generation ship or the arc or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, what is the name of the ship? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. But anyway, um it's basically the backstory of that entire thing. I thought that that was really good like like world building and uh and uh like backstory. Like I thought that was really well done and really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um and then also zero gravity swimming. Yeah. That that sequence belonged in a much better science fiction movie because that was yeah. and I wish that there was a better payoff to it also. Right. Um but like that the concept of it was like that was ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yep, yep. Um and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So uh do you have anything more on passengers? Nah. All right. Well let me grab the wheel here instead of being a passenger and or just Good yeah. Lord. Okay. You okay. said that. I did. Okay, well, um, uh, holy animated series, Tiny. Oh, God. I've, uh, no, uh, so, okay, so lately, uh, this is a whole thing, and I, and I told you this, Tiny, off mic, but, um, I'll, I'll share it with the podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. So, I have recently, like, this, I have had, I have experienced a weird thing where I, uh, what was, okay, that's what, that's where it started. Um, I was listening to the rapper MC Chris. Um, he's a nerdcore rapper and he has, I discovered that he has an album that's all, uh, songs based on the, the supporting characters of the Batman franchise. Um, so like there's a song about, uh, about Dick Grayson. There's a song about Commissioner Gordon, Alfred, and, and <laughs> my favorite one is about, uh, uh, Robin, uh, um, and his feelings toward Batgirl. Um, anyway, it's a really great album. It's called Friends. Um, anyway, so I was listening to that and then, like, they're really catchy songs. So I was like, you know what? I, I, it's high time that I, I check out Batman the Animated Series because I've never seen it and, uh, I just listened to, um, TV the book by Alan Seppenwall and Matt Zollersites. Um, and that was on the list of hundred best TV shows, um, American TV shows that they, that they ranked. So, um, over the past month, two months, I have been powering through the four volumes of, uh, Batman, the animated series that are currently on Amazon prime instant streaming. Um, I'm partway through, or I'm a few episodes into, uh, volume three. So I think, I think they correlate to seasons as well as volumes, but on Amazon, it says volume, um, really, really liking it. Um, I, I knew, I knew of Kevin Conroy's work from the Arkham Arkham Asylum games. Um, of course I knew obviously Mark Hamill's work as well from it. Um, but I mean, they are just, they are, they're Batman and Joker. Like they are the, the best representation from, from what I've seen so far. Um, just like when in to kind of leapfrog into more stuff that I've been doing lately is I've, I bought a shit ton of comics cause I was more intrigued about the Batman universe and everything. So I bought some Batman comics and like reading, it's like, I hear Kevin Conroy and I hear, uh, Mark Hamill. Like I hear those voices when I, when I read the, read the source material. Nice. Um, which 
uh, it's, it's so good. Um, but Batman the Animated Series, I'm really, really liking it. And it's really fascinating because I was reading some of the trivia about how, like, they, since it was a Saturday morning cartoon, they couldn't, um, like, they, I think they wanted to bring in the, the villain Firefly, which is, uh, he's a pyromaniac. Um, but they couldn't because they couldn't show any people being in peril from fire. Interesting. Yeah. And like they had to make Robin a college age kid because they didn't want to, sh- they weren't like standards and practices. They, they weren't legally, they, they weren't allowed to show like children in harm. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, there's a lot of other stuff. It's, and it's, it's amazing because like I was reading that and I was like, first of all, when you watch like a show in bulk, um, <laughs> decades after it aired or a couple decades after it aired. Um, I mean, for me, it kind of separated it from like, Oh, this was a thing that aired weekly on Saturday morning cartoon, like a, a channel Saturday morning cartoons. This is a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it's just weird. Cause it, it, there was a disconnect with me. Cause I just thought like, Oh, this is, this is great. This is awesome. And then I just didn't even think about like, Oh, people were like in meetings to, breaking stories and, and figuring out like what they can and can't do with this material. And it's just mm-hmm. like weird. Cause it's like one of the cornerstones of the Batman, um, media really is, is people love the animated series. Um, and it's just weird to think that they had some, some obstacles they had to overcome, but I'm just, I'm really liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Um, nice. it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I've been, I mean, I've been watching a, a ton of it. Um, but it's funny because like I had watched a bunch of episodes of that. I was like, oh man, uh, this is like I I was like I listened to MC Chris's music, and then I was like, oh, I really want to check out the source material. Or I really want to get more into Batman, so I'm going to check out the animated series because I don't have time for comics or anything. <laughs> um, and then I was watching Batman the animated series, and I was like, oh man. I really want to read the source material because I'm going to, I want to, you know, I want to like read the source of it because there's really some good stuff. <laughs> and then like while I'm reading some of like the new 52 and year one and stuff, I'm like, you know, what's even better is like, like I want to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so I freaking bought a PS4 and bought Arkham Knight, um, which again, friend me on, on PS4, <laughs> um, on PSN. Awesome. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been very much a Batman centric life for me these past uh, few weeks. Um, but yeah, um, Batman the Animated Series, I'm really liking it. Tiny, I know you're a huge fan of that. Am I correct? I was. Uh, my brother and I watched that pretty religiously, nice. and then we watched X-Men. Those were our two favorites. Nice. And then uh, Superman and Spider-Man were also okay. a big deal. Spider-Man, as far as I know, you cannot find it anywhere. It is on Hulu. No. Yep. Damn it. Yep. There is on Amazon Prime. There's a new, like the new Adventures of Spider-Man or something, or new the okay. new Spider-Man animated series that has uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Peter Parker. But the '90s, the '90s uh, cartoon is on uh, is on Hulu. Oh shit! Yep. Also, X Men. I am gonna need your password. Right. <laughs> I bought all of X Men on DVD. Nice. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was X Men or Batman that you bought. Yeah, I bought I bought the first volume of Batman because mm-hmm. I, I saw it for like ten bucks. Nice. At at like walmart or target or something mm-hmm. i bought it and then like i think i went back like a few weeks later or maybe like a couple months later after i mm-hmm. went through the first volume and they were back up to like 25 30 bucks uh, a piece dang. so i never pulled the trigger and got those again but um yeah eventually i may i may collect them but since they're on amazon i might just yeah plow through them there's a great episode of batman the animated series that it's called almost got em. 
it's uh, a uh, I can't remember who all it is like penguin um uh clayface okay and like uh two-face t- clay is it clayface there i mean two-face is in there but uh-huh. let me check that because i i'm i'm feeling uh-huh. stupid um yeah clayface two-face uh penguin and like a few other a couple other villains that are all like they're it's like them playing they're playing poker um yes and they're swapping stories about how they almost they almost beat batman yeah and it's so great because like each each story is like they they just flash back to the story of how they almost beat batman right and it's like it's so cool it's it's i was watching i was like this is this is this is freaking amazing (laughs) um and then there's a nice like uh ending of it i won't give it away but uh i tweeted about it and uh friends of the show um a uh, friend of the show, Tony Troxel, he had tweeted at me and said, uh, that there is, there's a, like a party game, like a card game, uh, based on it, uh, wow. <laughs> called almost got him. It's basically like, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a whole thing. I'll link to it in the show notes, but, nice. uh, it's really cool. And like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really loving Batman, the animated series and mm-hmm. me diving into to Batman, which I, I may, bring up later did you watch the mr freeze episodes um i think they're in the first volume that's the other problem i i believe i did but i also know that in uh i've been what i've been collecting part of part of what i've been collecting with the comics is the new 52 stuff mm-hmm. um and and i've read like some freeze okay. stuff there i did yes i did because i remember mm. distinctly thinking like um thinking like okay well he his name is dr Doctor Victor Freeze. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then then I'm just like, but but when he becomes the villain, it, it's just Mister Freeze. I know, like right? like why does he not? Why did he not go as Doctor Freeze? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- those are always some of my favorite ones. I remember nice. those, and like it shows you how much Arnold Schwarzenegger fucked that character <laughs> right. up. You know what I mean? Like he was he was super he's super tragic, a really tragic mm-hmm. character, and like absolutely tortured and and they they demonstrated that better in a 20 minute kids cartoon than they did mm-hmm. in a 2 hour big budget hollywood movie yeah you know and i i loved yeah i really loved those episodes with mr freeze those were some of my favorites absolutely yeah. um let's see and i know that they have some of the uh or they have like some full length animated movies that like there's one that's Batman and Mr. Freeze. So I want to dive into that eventually. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking up the episodes that he was in. Cause I think I have seen it in heart of ice. Yeah. Um, I've always been really partial to the Riddler mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. a, as a villain. Um, and I've, I've liked what, what, uh, he's popped up as in, uh, the animated series. um, so, so I'm really liking it. I'm really liking it. Um, my kind of plan, it's funny cause I was watching or I, I was at work one day and I was like, Oh, I, I really want to check out Batman the animated series. And I was like, Oh wow. You know, Batman the animated series, there was Spider-Man, X-Men. Let me see if those are available. And that's when I looked up like X-Men and Spider-Man are on, on Hulu. Um, and then also Batman, Batman the animated series obviously is on Amazon. The Superman animated series is also on Amazon. Nice. Um, so like I like that day at work, I was so giddy because I was like, like this is gonna be my weekend. I'm just gonna binge <laughs> all of this, and I felt like such a kid. Um, yeah. Like 
I came home and like I watched a bunch of episodes of Batman. I watched the first episode of X Men, and like I mean like the whole way like home on my head. Like I was playing the X Men animated oh, yeah. theme song in my head because I mean how iconic is that? It is so great. Um, so yeah, so I, I really uh, I'm really digging that. So nice Batman the animated series. So what's next for you, Tiny? Uh, I'm gonna go two at once because they're both gonna be very brief. Okay. Um, first off, uh, as we were moving. Um, we kind of just like would throw on TV. Sure. We weren't like looking, for, you know, we weren't watching stuff off the DVR mm-hmm. and we didn't have cable for a little while at the new house. Um, we caught the movie Jumanji mm-hmm. just on TV and like, I forgot how fantastic that movie is. Right. Like I thought my memory of that movie was like, oh, this is a good movie for kids. Like I liked this movie when I was a kid. You know, and but I never gave. I I had not watched that movie since I was like adult aged, even like teenage. I don't think. Wow. Um, that movie holds up really well, mm-hmm. and it's so good. It's so well done. Um, the CGI is a tad rough. It's like nineteen ninety five. Sure. Um, but it's not. I mean, it it holds up well enough that it's not. It doesn't. You know, it's it doesn't ruin the movie by by even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And just the, I just, I love, I love Robin Williams and his character, what he goes through. Like, it's, it's crazy how it's kind of a kid's movie and stuff, but it's like, he goes through like a serious, a really serious, terrifying thing. Yeah. And it's like, that shit is scary. Like, I mean, you get sucked into another universe when you're 12. Right. I mean, like, that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that it just really, it really spoke to me and like really, grabbed me as, as an adult i was really surprised at how how much i liked it and uh yeah like watch that movie again like i nice. I, I might get it on blu-ray or something nice great it's just an awesome movie i remember i think i rewatched it uh when robin williams passed away mm-hmm. and uh yeah i really liked it because i i hadn't seen it since i was a kid yeah um yes yeah, it's, it's great it's flick great oh, yeah. flick um Another one of the movies we caught, this isn't on my list, but another one of the movies we just kind of happened to catch was uh, A League of Their Own. Oh, nice. That's one of the best sports movies ever made. Yeah, I, it was, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but um, mm. I started watching it a while ago, and then I, I think it was like one of those times where I was like, it's almost midnight, I kind of want to I want to watch this, but I'm also going to go to sleep, I'm not going <laughs> to uh, pay my full attention to it. Right. I just never went back to it. Such a great movie. Nice. And it's not on Netflix anymore. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I have it on DVD and everything. Nice. Great movie. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up, a uh, TV show, the show Taboo. Yeah, I saw that on the list and I'm, yeah. I'm, I, it's not connecting with me. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the, um, it's produced by Ridley Scott on FX. On FX. It stars, um, it stars, um, uh, Tom Hardy. Um, I watched, it, it had an eight episode first season. Okay. And I was like, man, this is Tom Hardy. It's, it's a Scott free production. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch this. Um, and it's, it's kind of a cool premise, but I basically, I basically just gave up on the show. Okay. Um, every episode was an hour and a half, which was kind of weird. I don't know the, f- I'm, I've, it's weird how, um, susceptible I've become to the format of TV shows lately. Um, I mentioned it with like Sherlock, you know, every episode was like two hours and that kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for whatever, whatever reason, the 90 minute runtime kind of gets me with, with taboo and it just, yeah. I just don't think it worked that well. Um, I, I, I ended up abandoning the show. Um, I watched four out of the eight. Um, after the third episode, I was like, 
all right, there's this thread running through the show that they're addressing like for a couple minutes in every episode. And it's like hugely pivotal, but I still don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> so if by the end of the fourth episode, I'm still questioning what the hell it is and they're not, mm-hmm. they're not addressing it well enough and I'm just not feeling the show anymore. I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't like, there's this whole supernatural aspect to it. Um, like this kind of like Tom Hardy's character was, he was like, he like ran a slave ship. Oh wow! And he was like exposed to this kind of like voodoo kind of thing that like mm-hmm. haunts him now or something. I don't know. I think that's what they're going for. Um, and it just it, it just continued to not pan out. Okay. And it was just frustrating. And I didn't know where they were going with it. They needed to advance on that storyline, and they never did. Um, Tom Hardy was awesome. He's a super intimidating, like really crazy kind of guy. And he was like an he's playing an antihero in the show, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoyed that. The acting was all awesome. Jonathan Price was really good, kind of as a nice. antagonist. Um, great cast. I, I enjoyed all the acting, and I think it's a cool idea for a show. But um, the execution just didn't pan out for me, and okay. uh, I'm 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 kind of bummed. It it got picked up for a second season. Huh. So I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Tom Hardy's you know doing well. Um, I'm surprised to see him doing a TV show, especially a basic cable TV show. But um, hey, if it's you know if if it's successful, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was okay. It was okay. Someone else might have liked it. Maybe it'll get better as it goes on. Sure. But um, I, I just couldn't stick with it anymore. Okay. The creator, uh, Stephen Knight, he also did Peaky Blinders. Did you watch any? Oh, yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I watched like three episodes of Peaky Blinders. Uh, Paige and I watched it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, I just... Sort of similar. I couldn't. I couldn't quite get into it. Yeah. I, I might. I might pick Peaky Blinders back up, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh. Interesting. So. Um. I think I may double up on this one too. Cool. Um. Because one of them I don't have much to talk about. So. Um. Okay. I'll. I'll do the brief one first. Um. So a few several I don't remember when it was two three years ago we did a whole episode about the series finale of How I Met Your Mother, um, one of the most disappointing series finales we've we've collectively seen, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of those things where that episode if I don't have the episode number offhand but if you go back and listen to it like we planned to do a full series retrospective episode. Um, kind of in celebration of the show ending. Um, but we were so disappointed and annoyed and troubled by the series finale that we just, we had like a little therapy session (laughs) where we just talked out our feelings about the series finale and why it was so wrong for the show. Um, so all that was back when it aired. That was back when, um, it was fresh in our mind. And recently what I've been doing, like when I'm just, you know, doing stuff and, uh, doing stuff and need something playing in the background, uh, about to fall asleep and stuff like that. I'd been watching how I met your mother because series finale, notwithstanding that show was still one of my favorite sitcoms while it was airing and just the way that it played with the narrative and, and having an unreliable narrator and playing with the time, the timeline and everything and doing little hints and stuff for the, uh, for the characters and the way that they developed the characters themselves as well. Like it was a really solid, really well done sitcom for me. Um, so I rewatched it. Um and I got to the end. 
the ninth season, I even found myself getting, I found myself like not being so bothered by it. Um, like the, for those who don't know, the ninth season of How I Met Your Mother was the final season. They had it basically the entire season take place over the, over the course of one weekend. So each episode is like a half an hour or an hour or uh, however long time frame for a story to take place during that weekend. Um, so it was a unique change in it. Um, but the ending, and I won't give it away, even though it's the statute of limitations is likely expired on it, but I won't give away the ending, but I, (laughs) I was, I was so angry when I rewatched the ending. Like, I mean, it's, it's to be expected. I mean, that's, that's just, that's what I would like. I'm, I didn't expect to love the ending or anything, but like in the interim between now and, uh, back when the finale aired, I remember Mike, our co-host on sabbatical, he, is uh he was very he's been very vocal about how he can't watch how i met your mother anymore they ruined the whole show um because the finale was was so terrible and i was always kind of like okay well yeah the finale was terrible i hate what they did and everything but it didn't ruin the show for me and to an extent it still didn't ruin the show but having um going through it and watching it all in bulk and then seeing the way that they ended it happen um it was so aggravating to me because it is still still it is it is still the wrong way to end that show and i do not granted we do have the benefit of hide the benefit of hindsight but i don't understand what conversations happened in that writer's room to think like this this is the right way to end this show like even from like from a narrative standpoint, that's just not how the show should have ended. It felt like it, it felt like someone, it felt like the series creators had been fired or left the show in the penultimate season or probably two seasons before that. And then got replaced by someone who just kind of did did a cliff notes for, for the show before it. That's how it, that's how the ending felt to me. And it was just, I don't know. It was just, it was a weird experience because I'd watched it all in bulk and then got to the end and was, just enraged again um because it really like even when you watch it watch it all at once it's like that ending just kind of comes out of nowhere and even though like there were scenes that hinted at it and played it up a little bit uh leading up to it like that ending it's like it feels like it doesn't fit and it feels so unceremonious and just like an affront to the audience and the fans of the show it was just really peculiar and really angry or anger inducing. Um, so that's, that's my brief thoughts on my pre-watch yeah. of how I met your mother. It's just, Oh God. But, uh, onto better and, and, uh, more enjoyable things. Um, I'll keep this one brief too. Uh, the Lego Batman movie. Um, going back to talking about Batman. Um, I really liked the Lego Batman movie. Um, I would even say maybe even more so than the Lego movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, the Lego movie, which I actually also rewatched uh, in the lead up to Lego Batman. Um, the uh, Lego movie I had problems with just because it, it just felt a little I, like rewatching it. I had fun with it, but it kind of felt a little still a little like, okay, this this is fun, but it it didn't really uh it didn't really i don't don't know what it was it just was not as amazing as as i was hoping it would be but lego batman movie was such a blast uh will arnett is fantastic um there's some really cool like villain things 
um, and the way that the story unfolds is, is really, really kind of heartfelt and, uh, and really great. It's the way, like it plays up the whole Batman as a loner kind of thing. Uh, like he's as Bruce Wayne, he's at a, uh, he's at an event, um, naming the new police commissioner actually. Um, and, uh, there's this little, this little orphan kid, uh, voiced by Michael Sarah, which is perfect. Nice. And he's like, he's basically bugging Bruce Wayne saying like, Hey, yeah, like, like one, like saying like, Oh, you're such, you're my hero and stuff like that. And blah, 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 blah. And then like, he basically, uh, he's, he's like, will you, uh, will you adopt me? And then like Bruce Wayne the whole time, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, it, like not listening to him, but just nodding along and acknowledging <laughs> him. And then like, that's how he adopts Dick Grayson. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it, it, it's fun. I really enjoyed it. And the, uh, the animation and kind of the action set pieces of it are like really cool. Nice. Um, and really well done. There is a thing that they do that I don't remember if they did this in the Lego movie, but in Lego Batman, every single time this came up, I giggled like a freaking idiot. <laughs> um, anytime a gun is fired, um, the, <laughs> um, the characters firing the weapons go pew, 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 pew. Really? It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. It's the whole movie. That sounds awesome. It is so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Oh yeah. And then there's, uh, anytime, anytime Catwoman talks, she says something like, like, we're going to get you Joker meow. <laughs> it's just so stupid. That's awesome. But it's, it's a blast. I really like the Lego Batman movie. Um, nice. th- those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Um, up next for me, this won't be too long. I don't have a ton to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Legend of Tarzan. Okay. Which I feel like kind of came and went. I didn't really hear anything about it. Is that the one with Alexander Skarsgård? It is. Okay. And Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was It was pretty decent, really. Okay. I, I, kind, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I think Alexander Skarsgård is just a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never like, oh, cool, Alexander Skarsgård's in this. Right. Um yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's just like a really hot guy. And so he's sure. not a terrible actor. So they're like, yeah, we'll put him in this. Mm-hmm. But I think he was kind of perfect for this role, really. Nice. Um, I mean, physically, yeah, he totally plays that part well. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 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 that, that wasn't even a question. I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't even questioning that. Um, but I, I think, I think he just kind of fits the role relatively well. I think he, he, seems kind of dumb i think when i when i see him in other stuff he's just i don't know maybe that's mean or kind of a xenophobic thing for me to say but no i don't know he just seems like he's kind of a dumb jock Mm -hmm. to me maybe that's unfair but i think that kind of makes sense for tarzan because you know he was like raised with gorillas and stuff sure so i think it just his weird aesthetic way of speaking and his cadence and his mannerisms as an act as an actor just work well with the character of Tarzan. So okay. I think he was a great choice for this. And I, I, I think he was good in this role. Nice. Um, and then, and then the rest of the cast, um, Margot Robbie was so much fun in this movie. It's so weird. Really? Like I just really enjoyed her as Jane. Okay. Um, and like, you know, Margot Robbie is wicked hot. Mm-hmm. And so most of the stuff, stuff that she's in like they probably kind of capitalize on that a little bit Mm -hmm. but there was like there was like no no like sex appeal at all from her like they they never like put her in a bikini or there was no like you know steamy sex scene or anything like that there was nothing crazy like that um 
I, I was I was honestly a little surprised that they didn't capitalize on her sex appeal at all. Really? Um and, and her character was just like really light and fun and, and not like overly damsel and distressy. Nice. Um she she like truly like played a role in the movie and wasn't just wasn't just a set piece, basically. Um I so I really enjoyed her in the movie. She was she was a lot of fun. And uh Samuel L. Jackson has kind of like a sidekick role. Sam really? Jackson is just man, he's just always fun. He's great. Yeah. So I didn't I, realize he was in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he 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 was a prominent character. Um and one of my favorite things about the movie is it wasn't it wasn't an, an origin story. Nice. Like they, you know, they they told the story with the assumption that everyone knows who knows who Tarzan is and how he became who he is. Um so it's kind of it's kind of like a almost like him getting back to his roots kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that, you know, that they didn't try to go for the origin story um okay. the premise was a little weak um but I, I think they had a pretty decent story it was it was a decent movie and like I, I genuinely had fun with it i was kind of in the mood for an action movie and it uh it worked out and i i think it's i think it's a decent flick um nice not gonna make any top 20 lists or anything but uh you know if, if you're in the right if you're in the right mood for it i think you'll enjoy it quite a bit Okay, yeah. I might still pass. Yeah, I, um, yeah. that's fine. I had no, in- I never had any interest in seeing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Okay. Um, next up for me is Logan, which um, so Logan is essentially uh, Hugh Jackman's last uh, outing as as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, it is you know I'm just gonna read the plot description on IMDb. Uh, that probably be the best way to go about. Uh, doing that logan is uh okay um in the near future a weary logan cares for an ailing professor x somewhere on the mexican border however however logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives pursued by dark forces this movie was freaking amazing nice um everything about it i loved um uh Hugh Jackman i mean the it blew my mind because the first x-men came out in 2000 or 2001 mm-hmm. now it's 2017 yeah hugh jackman has been wolverine for half of over half of my life yeah <laughs> half of crazy. our lives it's nuts wow. like it's it's so weird to to put it into that context but i mean the guy has been playing this character for so long I mean, obviously, he does a really phenomenal job. Um, Patrick Stewart is unbelievable. Like, he is heartbreaking in this movie. Really? Yes, because his health is fading. Like, he, the way that the movie depicts Xavier is that it's what if the most powerful mind in, uh, in the world suddenly had, um, Alzheimer's or dementia. Wow. And it's like, it is really emotional and really, uh, it's, it's really amazing. And the way, like the nuances of his performance is just really, really heartbreaking. Wow. Um, and there, the script is beautiful. The, the story, uh, the storyline is, is just really well done. There is, um, 
there's like hints at what's happened between like before the set uh, before uh, the events of Logan um, that have led to Logan caring for uh, Professor X and everything. Uh, there are hints to it. It's never beat over our heads, and it's too like it's to the enjoyment of the movie so so much. Like you get little bits and pieces, and when you get those bits and pieces, you put them together with the other bits and pieces, and you think like. Oh, oh, and it it just gets more of it gives more of an impact to to the story in this universe and everything. Um wow. and the young girl who plays uh the young girl that they kind of are are thrust into protecting uh, is Daphne Keane. Um I thought she did a really great job. Like nice. she's very like quiet and emotional. Um and there's there's some great like scenes between her and Hugh Jackman that I really enjoyed. Um, there's some really cool surprises in it that I won't spoil, but um, like there were moments like I was telling you before we started recording, Tiny. Uh, when I went to go see it, I stopped at the at the theater I go to. There's a little bar there, and uh, so I got a drink, and uh, I, t- I took it into the theater. And this is a two hour and seventeen minute movie, and I really mm-hmm. had to pee like in the first act of the movie, and like. I really like it was terrible. Like I wanted to leave and go to the bathroom, but I was so gripped by it that I held out. So now I'm probably gonna die. Um, <laughs> but no, it was. I probably shouldn't even have shared that. But anyway, um, it was. It was really good. Um, a really great uh, movie uh, to kind of um, say say goodbye to Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. Even though I think that there's talk of maybe. Like they might be open to the idea of him appearing in Deadpool or something. But, oh wow! Um, but I mean that whole X Men universe is so is so weird. Yeah. Um, that who's to say? But I like this as kind of a as kind of a swan song to Hugh Jackman as as Logan. I thought that it was a really really well done movie. Um, also, it is it is rated R and it is it wears that on its sleeve. Nice. And it is freaking amazing it needed to be it really did like wolverine's a rated r character he he is in the violence like they do not shy away from it awesome. it's like it's it's very clear that this was a rated r movie and not a uh pg-13 with an r-rated cut it was like this right. was conceptually a an r-rated movie and i mean i will never i will just never get tired of seeing hugh jackman doing the wolverine thing yeah like the whole thing where he lunges into someone and just then digs his claws into their chest and stuff that's such yeah. a cool thing right um and just like ah oh, it's it's so it's so good i i really really loved logan nice um, yep I'm glad to hear that yes and that's what i've heard from everyone so far mm-hmm. i've heard people say it's the best x-men movie Stuff like that. Yeah, I would say that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm a little partial to Days of Future Past, but um, I I rewatched that, and it's I mean Logan is a lot more um uh character driven. Right. Okay. And I appreciate it for that. Gotcha. Um, I I need to catch that before it's out of theaters. Yeah. I have not. I just looked. I haven't seen a movie since the last week of January. I was going to ask you when the last time you saw a movie in the theater was. Been a while. Jeez. So, uh, next up for me, this will also be pretty brief, because um, you've ta- you talked about it extensively mm-hmm. in past episode. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. I watched it um, right before the Oscars, so that was a month ago. Right. Um, but I hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet. Really briefly, I've. God, I loved it. It's nice. so man, it just hits you in your face. Mm-hmm. 
in like an amazing way. Mm. I don't mean mean that as a detrimental thing. Right. Um, there are there are unthinkable things that are that not only happen but are dealt with in the mm-hmm. movie. Like just just think of like the like un, unthinkable scenarios, unthinkable mm-hmm. things, like the worst thing that can happen to you. Mm-hmm. And not only do we have to like see the characters go through it, but we have to see them mm-hmm. try to live with it, mm-hmm. try to get over it, and try to try to try to basically wear it on their sleeve to steal the phrase you just mm-hmm. you just used but like have two characters that go through the worst thing you can imagine and they mm-hmm. bump into each other yeah it's just un- it's just i i can't imagine trying to have some of the conversations mm-hmm. that are had in this movie oh, it's just unbelievable it's so oh it's so good really loved the movie mm-hmm. i'm i'm despite the controversy, I'm really glad mm-hmm. KCF like won. Right. Been a big fan of his for a long time. And you know, if, if you're basing the Oscar award just on the merits of a performance, mm-hmm. I think he deserved it. And I think he earned that, that win, even though I didn't really see the other performances, right? But he was awesome. And I'm glad he won. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if I, I probably said this on the podcast and it's just me bringing this up again. It's just me, um, wanting to make a joke again. <laughs> um, but, uh, I liked, uh, like, I, I, Casey Affleck was amazing. I mm-hmm. thought he was uh, incredible. Um, but I, like, toward the end of the movie, I was like, this, this movie feels like it's two hours of people offering Casey Affleck food um, <laughs> yeah. or offering yeah. to have him eat dinner. Yes, it it's is. Like, there was like several times. It's just, it's just the repetition kind of amused me. But yeah. then again, it's also like, I mean, that's kind of what you do when you're, you're encountering someone who's grieving. I mean, right, right. like, you know, that's just kind of the thing. You don't know what to say. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that movie. Uh, just, Loved it heartbreaking the stuff that you described absolutely heartbreaking the uh there's a scene with the kid um um the, the kid um looking for food or opening the freezer right like that scene was like that was raw and emotional and like i was like i this is this is really powerful yeah absolutely yeah um really good stuff Yeah, so we uh, when we recorded that, it kind of cut out there because I am stupid and I didn't look at the uh, how much space was on the SD card. So uh, we're gonna kind of join in progress there. Uh, Tiny, what did you think of uh, the Secret Life of Pets? Yeah, I watched this movie with uh, with uh, my fiance Paige. Um, she wanted to watch this. I wanted to watch. Deepwater Horizon or something else. Um, uh, there, there was some other stuff I was I was uh, hoping to watch, but uh, this turned out turned out to be a really uh, pretty cute movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I one of the standout things for me was actually Kevin Hart. I'm kind of in the min- minority that I'm not really a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his stand ups pr- pretty funny. He's he's fairly funny, but he's not not one of my favorite comedians or anything. Um, but I've never really I've never been overly enthusiastic about him as an actor. Um, Any time that I've liked him, I feel like he's been um, a side character or not the. I, I just I don't enjoy him as a leading man. Um, anytime I've seen him as a lead character, I just don't really. I don't really care for his performances. I'm not sure if he's capable of really leading a movie. Sure. Um, but this movie, he played a 
an ancillary character. He was not the the lead character, and mm-hmm. I ended up really enjoying his performance. Nice. Um, I think part of it is the fact that he plays a little bunny rabbit called Snowball. Mm-hmm. That's like super intense and really kind of like scary, and leads like this underground like street gang of pets. Right. Um, it was just like a perfect role for him, and just a, a really funny situation. And I I actually enjoyed him in in the role quite a bit. Um, the two main characters were played by Louis C.K. and Eric Stone Street. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a, a kind of a weird role for Louis C.K. He's a very, you know, he's a really like raunchy comic who talks about super adult themes and right. his comedy. And he's my favorite comedian. And I think he's incredible. I love Louis C.K. Um, but to see him play like an animated dog in a kid's movie was just really weird. Honestly, it was it was odd and and I'm not saying that he did a bad job or it was a bad casting idea or anything. It just, it was just weird. (laughs) Sure. Um, and it was hard for me to latch onto, um, Eric stone street. I didn't even pick up on his voice at all. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really get it at all. I had to look up who it was. Uh, he didn't really stand out to me that much to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he did fine. So yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think it was a cute movie. You know, we all kind of wonder about what our pets do when we leave them at home, when we go to work every day. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I know Matt can relate mm-hmm. to this. Um, yeah. So yeah, every, every day when I come home, I ask pizza how her day was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it wasn't exactly a toy story concept sure. for a movie or anything, but, uh, but it, it was cute. It was a cute idea. Mm-hmm. I really loved the, uh, like the, the kind of like regal, posh uh poodle that yeah. likes listens to heavy metal that was right. i really um that spoke to me nice yeah nice. it was uh it was a cute movie it was fine sweet yeah yeah i thought it was okay um i had some issues with it but yeah, yeah. i talked about them in the past episode i'm sure um i have a few rapid fire things um then we can end this uh episode that now i'm kind of wondering if we should just cut into two episodes or i don't know (laughs) anyway i'll figure it out um so rapid fire um i saw the movie life uh with jake gyllenhaal ryan reynolds nice and a bunch of people on the international space station Mm -hmm. uh basically it's i mean it's basically a uh uh basically in similar to alien uh it's just people on the international space it's alien on the international space station okay um so it's uh they scientists catch a uh a thing from mars that like a deposit from mars that that's been sent back um and it has this bacteria on it or this uh this microorganism uh that's that was on mars uh, so they're monitoring and everything. It turns out to be, you know, malevolent and grows and, and, you know, kills people one by one. Uh, you know, the whole alien thing. Right. So, um, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty intense. Um, there's some really cool, like tense moments. Um, the blood effects were really cool. Um, because there were some like kind of zero G blood droplet effects that that were really cool Mm -hmm. um for the most part i thought that this was a perfectly serviceable uh sci-fi horror movie um i liked that it was kind of grounded in in reality and and it's it's not like a distant future where these space truck drivers are are out and alone it's like the stakes are pretty high because they're on the international space station and they're in low earth orbit and they're the whole kind of 
crux of the movie is if this if this thing gets down to earth it could be the end of humanity that kind of thing um mm. so by the end of it i thought that it was pretty cool there was some pretty intense moments and and i dug it um the next one is the belco experiment nice yes which was written by james gunn it's uh, about a group of people in a uh in an office building uh that gets they get locked in like it's it's full lockdown mode and an ominous voice tells them that they need to murder three people uh in the building or they'll kill like six people and then it escalates from there like well by the end of by the end of the hour you need to have like 30 of you need to be dead or we'll kill 60 of you um and it just like it just it's batshit insane um the ending to it, I won't give anything away, but it kind of left me a little underwhelmed. I was kind of hoping it would be, it would turn out one way. Um, but it turned out to be something that I wasn't expecting. And even since, it, even though I wasn't expecting it, I still feel like my idea of what the ending could have been was better than, than what we got. Um, the action and the violence was really cool. Uh, John C. McGinley plays this really like, uh, creepy creepy dude who kind of joins up with uh like a couple other characters who are just like super uh uh violent people essentially um and like the di- different groups come together and everything and, and form up and everything it's it's really cool um being a former security guard i really appreciated that uh uh there was a security guard presence in the movie uh there's one security guard that i i was uh really identified with he was he was really good um and then also uh sean gunn is in the movie who he's james gunn's brother he's been in a lot of james gunn's movies and i always kind of think of whenever i see him i he doesn't really do anything for me i'm just kind of like oh it's sean gunn it's james gunn's brother that's why he's in this movie (laughs) um this one didn't feel like nepotism to me. It just felt like he was, he did a really good job. Nice. Um, yeah, he played like a, uh, an employee stoner guy. Um, he was kind of the comic relief and, uh, there was, there was some really good stuff that he did. I, I really appreciated his performance. I really liked it. Kind of um, like Ron Howard's brother. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's a Belco experiment. It was fun. Check it out on like VOD or on Netflix or something if you're in for, you know, uh, kind of a fun violent uh crazy movie nice um yeah and uh in the lead in that movie was john gallagher jr who i'm I, i'm a fan of me too yep and then last up um uh i saw power rangers nice. and yes so power rangers uh the 2017 reboot of the mighty Morphin power rangers um, okay. So where to start? I was a huge fan of Power Rangers growing up, like huge, huge fan. Um, I saw the original, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie in theaters with my mom <laughs> when I was like nine. Um, and then even Sunday when I, when I, before I saw, um, Power Rangers, I rewatched that movie. So on one hand, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, does not hold up um <laughs> like at all it's amazing to me because watching them like fight and watching them do their whole power rangers thing it's so funny to me because like the the kicks and the jumps and all of the crazy stuff that they do and choreography that they do is like it's like defying the laws of physics it's like it's not it's so weird because it's like uh like in in the original movie tommy 
like he yells out because they always yell out stuff. Um, which also when rewatching the original movie, I thought, I kind of wonder if this is where my love of puns came from <laughs> because nice. everything, like everything's a pun when they're fighting the people. Awesome. Oh yeah. But like Tommy as the, as the, uh, white ranger, he like says like corkscrew kick and he <laughs> jumps into the air and then floats like, like horizontal, like over to someone and then like halfway through like flying through the air he starts going in like a 360 uh, like a corkscrew like, um, like you do like you do yeah it's it was so it was <laughs> goofy um but anyway so 2017 power rangers um you know i i thought it was okay um mm-hmm. It had some pretty cool, like, nostalgic uh, callbacks to the original. And, uh, I mean, like, when there's a moment where uh, the original theme song starts playing a little bit. Nice. And, like, I flipped out. I thought that was so cool. Um, like, anytime they were saying something, I like, I was thinking... Like I was thinking, like, he, he's he's going to say it's morphin' time. He's, he's going to say it's morphin' <laughs> time. Um... And I, and I love the fact that like Brian Cranston played Zordon, which yeah. is great because he did uh, voices for the original series, and mm-hmm. the character of Billy Cranston is actually named after Brian Cranston. Right. Um. And and so like I liked that I liked that aspect of it. There were some other things that I did appreciate about it too. Um, Rita Rita Repulsa has a different uh, backstory. Um, that makes her more more compelling as a character. Um, for me, I thought I really liked how she kind of tied into things. Um, the character of Billy is like on the spectrum. Uh, like, yeah. And I thought that was, I thought that was, it was interesting. It, it, uh, it really made the friendship between him and Jason, uh, really endearing. Hmm. And, uh, and then like the, the whole group as, as a whole, like the movie kind of takes a lot from like uh from like uh the breakfast club and yeah and it's like cool because it's like this ragtag group of kids who kind of join together um through happenstance and uh and they're just they're like they're all like they all have different pasts and they're kind of learning about each other as they're training to become power rangers it's it was pretty cool it was it was i liked that um Having said that, the Kimberly character, her whole backstory and her whole subplot and everything mm-hmm. makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> like, it's like she's in detention and then like there's kind of a slight mystery about why she's in detention. Okay. And you get like morsels here and there that's like, oh, this happened and she did this and this happened and that's why she's in detention. And like thinking about it after the movie, I was like, wait, like... I don't know how you get from this to this and then to this. Like, why did this happen to this? Why did she do this? Why did this person do this? What was the point of doing this? It was very convoluted. Like, I feel like parts of her backstory were like left on the cutting room floor <laughs> because it was just really weird. Huh. Um, yeah, but, uh, but overall, I, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Um, probably not gonna buy it. Not gonna, I mean, I might check it out if it's on Netflix or HBO Go or something, but, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I thought that it was, it was serviceable. It was fine. Um, yeah. And that's Power Rangers. Uh, they did have like a little teaser, like, like kind of, they didn't have like an, a post credit scene, mm-hmm. but they had like a mid credit scene that I was like, I know exactly what they're gonna, what they're gonna hint at. And yeah, they did. And then I was like, 
I I'm so game for that. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous. They're totally going to cash in on you and yep people like you. That entire generation of yeah. of people, which was me um, too. I yeah, love yeah. The show. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So that's Power Rangers, and uh, let's see. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Um, if you like what you heard, go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Also, you know, give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook and join the Facebook group. All the links to all that is in the show notes. Once again, check out our, uh, appearance on the secular perspective, episode 100. Congrats to Chad and Amanda and Tiny and everyone over at the secular perspective for a hundred episodes. Uh, you can find that at the secular perspective.com. And then also if I, I'm hoping that I get this posted before then. Again, please come to Indiana Comic Con on uh, April 15th, uh, 6.30 p.m. I'll be hosting a panel called Hosting a Solo Podcast, which I host a solo podcast. And uh, at uh, anthologypod.com, new episodes are coming out very soon. I'm um, going to be doing bonus episodes about uh, Hulu's Dimension 404 as well. So be on the lookout for that at anthologypod.com. And uh, Tiny, I'm sure I'm forgetting other things because it's been a while, but uh, anything else that we need to go over or anything? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> As an aside, did you hear that there is a guy on YouTube... I, this was a month or, month or so ago, um, who was, uh, every day, uh, on, on YouTube every day, he was going to eat a picture of Jason Siegel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Until Jason Siegel takes a video of himself eating a picture of him. No way. It's so weird. That's awesome. I haven't seen the actual videos or anything, and I don't think he has responded to it. I, I don't. I feel like Jason Siegel wouldn't I feel like that's the kind of th- I don't know if he would um be game for that. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that that would just be kind of weird. Um oh my god, is he still going? <laughs> I eat a picture of Jason Siegel every day until he eats a picture of me. Day 55. <laughs> oh my god. Uploaded yesterday. <laughs> what the hell? Hashtag eat my face, Siegel. <laughs> what in the hell is this? Yeah, he's he's really doing it. Wow. Um, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. This will probably be the tag of the episode, but what the hell? The guy's YouTube channel is just called Dog Shirt. Um, <laughs> I don't understand this. Anyway, um... Yeah, so so the movie he was in with Jason Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg, is uh, the end of the tour. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com 
or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.